0: Hey, history lovers! I'm Mike Rosenwald with RetroPod, a show about the past rediscovered. In February 1856, a three-mast ship called the John Rutledge set sail from Liverpool, England. One of the many ships that frequently traversed the icy and dangerous North Atlantic. On board were two dozen crew and more than 120 mostly Irish immigrants on their way to New York and new lives in the United States. It was the most dangerous trip they'd ever take. During those years, shipwrecks were so common that they were barely mentioned in newspapers. The only way to know a ship's fate was whether or not it ever arrived in port. Without the transatlantic telegraph or radios, the arrivals brought with them the only reliable news of the most harrowing part of the journey, Ice Alley. If a ship was going to sink, the most likely place was Ice Alley, a dangerous stretch of ocean off the coast of Newfoundland filled with icebergs and bergy bits. When the John Rutledge departed, sketchy reports of heavy ice were just reaching Liverpool. Some captains said they had never seen Ice Alley so filled with huge bergs and smaller but menacing ice fragments. Still, the John Rutledge headed out, the captain and crew gambling with everyone's lives. If the ship went down, the chances of anyone surviving in the frigid water and cold whipping winds was slim to none. On February 19th, the ship slipped into thick fog near the edge of the Grand Banks, about 350 miles southeast of Newfoundland. Suddenly, an unseen, sharp-edged berg gouged a hole in the ship's hull. Crews tried to plug the leak with cargo. It was pointless. The ship was quickly sinking. The John Rutledge, like nearly every American built vessel in those years, was designed with an open hull. Without separate water blocking compartments, the sea was free to flood the length of the ship. All five lifeboats were lowered, but not everyone could escape. Many were instantly swallowed by the chilly Atlantic. 13 people boarded the final lifeboat, including three immigrant children and three crew members. Among the latter was Thomas Nye, a tough 22-year-old born into a prominent maritime family from Massachusetts. The situation was grim. The survivors had about a gallon of water and six pounds of cement-firm biscuits. The food and water quickly disappeared, and one by one, they started to die. Some from exposure to the winter air, others from the horrors of drinking seawater, organ failure, delirium, and madness. Nine days after the John Rutledge sank, Nye was alone, adrift with four bodies surrounding him. He was too weak to push the dead overboard. Fortunately, the Germania, a ship sailing from France to New York, spotted the lifeboat and discovered Nye, the only survivor of the John Rutledge. Nye's rescue was a brief sensation. It was exceedingly rare for anyone to be plucked from a North Atlantic wreck. The influential U.S. Nautical Magazine and Naval Journal used the sinking and Nye's accounts to try to shame Ship owners accused of avoiding watertight compartments because of higher costs. In coming years, more American shipwrights began to make potentially life saving design modifications. It finally took the loss of the Titanic in 1912 to force sweeping rules for bulkheads and water blocking chambers in all U.S. ships. All told, more than 830 people were lost. In early 1856, among the most tragic seasons in North Atlantic shipping for decades to come. Gone were the John Rutledge and many other ships that attempted to cross Ice Alley. Only Nye survived. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Brian Murphy for reporting the story for The Washington Post. And check out his new book on the John Rutledge. It's called Adrift, A True Story of Tragedy on the Icy Atlantic and the One Who Lived to Tell About It. For more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com Retropod.